welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience and almost daily podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and even some off-topic material from time to time. I'm your host, Andre Berlinger. I'm a meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is episode number 19 for Tuesday, October 30, 2018. One day before Halloween, and we'll talk about trick-or-treaters and what they are in for, at least in Northeast Ohio, coming up in just a little bit. Well, last night on the Fox 8 Weather Facebook page, a page on which I do a live Facebook event every night at about 9 o'clock or so, I got the audience involved, and I said, Hey, folks, now is your chance to ask me a question. And I wasn't going to answer the question on Facebook Live, but I would take the questions and pull them into this field, the weather jazz field, and answer all of the, or at least some of the best questions right here. And that's what I'm going to do today. I had questions from Gary Shreve, Shawnee East, Stan O'Bricky, Doris March, Delbert Henderson, and Alex Price. And I will be addressing those questions. Let me count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight questions. And I said, uh, you can ask anything you want. It can be weather-related. It can be science-related. It can be personal. As long as I find it interesting and I think there might be a kind of a fun story behind it, I'll take the question and I will answer it on Weather Jazz episode number 19. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So let's dive in. First question tonight, we're going to go to Gary Shreve, who asked, do you like hot chocolate? And I started to answer the question a little bit on Facebook Live, uh, but I, um, I didn't get into great detail beyond telling folks that I love sweets. In fact, I just I just had dinner tonight. And yes, I did have dessert. I had some uh, Fig Newtons, and a, a couple of uh, chocolate mint Tim Tams, and that was it. Um, it just enough to kind of uh, cleanse the palate after a, um, in this case, kind of a spicy meal tonight. Uh, so, yes, I do do sweets. However, um, I don't go overboard on them, and uh, really I've cut back on my uh, intake of sugar a lot in the last 10 or so years. Do I like hot chocolate? I guess I would have to say, yes, I do. But do I drink much of it? Then my answer is, no, I don't. Um, I prefer, if I do something super sweet, which is very, very rare, uh, I'll do one of those uh, uh, those wonderful concocted uh, lattes at your favorite coffee shop. One of my favorites is... Uh, the chestnut praline latte, which actually isn't all that sweet, but it's just sweet enough. I used to like the really, really super sweet ones, uh, but uh, they've gotten too much. Uh, for instance, I think uh, one is called a caramel brulee. Love those about five years ago, six years ago, but now I cannot drink them. The drink actually puts me to sleep, even though it's coffee, because it, there's so much sugar in there that it... 
it uh, sends my body into the the after sugar crash, if you will. And as I get more mature, my body is much more sensitive to that. So I just make the adjustment, and it's it's good for you anyway. That much sugar is not good for the body, can't be. But uh, I do enjoy sweets, and yes, from time to time I will enjoy them. So uh, to get back to your question, yes, I like hot chocolate, but no, I don't drink much hot chocolate anymore. Uh, So I hope that uh, is interesting, an interesting answer. Let's go to Shawnee East's question. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, And she asks, what is the oddest weather event you ever witnessed? And uh, I don't know if this qualifies as the the oddest weather event. I've shared this before on Weather Jazz. You may or may not remember it. But in March of 1987, I witnessed two sunrises and two sunsets inside of an 18-hour period. And one of the sunrises was in the western sky. You heard me right, a sunrise in the western sky. How can that be? Well, it was, um, the the day started out in Reykjavik, Iceland. It was uh, late March of 1987. And we were, we we started the day, the sun went up. And um, that afternoon, late afternoon, we were getting ready to board an aircraft to head back to Chicago. Uh, And I was uh, heading back to Minneapolis at the time, uh, the uh, city in which I lived in 1987. Uh, So the sun had set at Keflavik Airport, which is the airport that serves Reykjavik and southeast or uh, southwest Iceland. The sun set, but our course went up to the north, much closer to the North Pole before dipping down into Chicago, the flight path that was chosen, uh, which would be the one that would get us uh, the quickest to Chicago. In the process, we took off after sunset, um, and one of the things that we noticed as we flew over central and northern Greenland, we suddenly started seeing uh, some twilight colors getting very bright in the western sky. And what was happening, because our jet, flying at 600-plus miles per hour, was going faster than the Earth was spinning around at that latitude, because the farther north you are the slower the spin is until you get pretty close to the North Pole where it's only maybe a mile an hour. But we weren't that close to the North Pole. But we were close enough so that the rotational speed was slower than our forward speed. So essentially we were catching up to the terminus, the place at which the sun would pop up over the horizon. And indeed it did. I said, look, there's the sun. We saw a sunrise in the west, which can only happen under certain conditions. And then as the plane moved south towards Chicago, the sun set again. And so we saw two sunrises, two sunsets within an 18-hour period. So meteorologically, you had to have clear skies for that or have to had to have um, uh, or be above the weather. And in both cases, we were. We saw the sunrise in Reykjavik. The weather was partly cloudy. We saw the sunset. It was partly cloudy. And, of course, we were over the weather when we were on our way home on the flight. I hope that was interesting. Uh, One of the other 
events, and if you had to, to deal strictly with weather, would be this. In fact, it was in Minneapolis. It was a Sunday uh, evening, and it was very, very cold. It was uh, just above zero Fahrenheit. And we had a storm system moving in, and all of the forecasts were for snow. Periods of snow for that period that the system would come through. And indeed, it started as snow. And then um, the show was over. I went to go grab my wife and I uh, a sandwich at a local eatery. And on the way back, um, I noticed that it was raining. I said, this can't be rain. Because I looked at the thermometer, it was 7 degrees above zero. 7. Non-Celsius, Fahrenheit. Very, very cold. Uh, But yet, there were liquid raindrops actually hitting the windshield and instantly freezing once they did. But it was liquid rain. We were literally seeing freezing rain at 7 degrees. The layer above our heads was deep enough above freezing and the air below so shallow yet so cold that the rain did not have a chance to freeze before it hit things. So we actually saw freezing rain at 7 degrees above zero in Minneapolis in Uh, 1986. So there you have it, two instances, one a little more weather-related than the other. Let's go to Stan O'Bricky. He has three questions, and I will answer all three. So here we go. Stan is a very delightful dear friend who has since moved from northeast Ohio down to uh, the Myrtle Beach area. So here we go. His first question, what would you have done? if you had not become a meteorologist? Good question. I love that one. And the answer, uh, Stan, and for anybody else interested, I would have been a teacher. Uh, I enjoy the classroom. I enjoy the classroom environment. And I just uh, enjoy teaching kids. Uh, When I was able to do a lot of that um, in uh, my job as a television meteorologist, uh, visiting a lot of classrooms and talking about weather, it's something I always enjoyed. And so if I didn't become a television meteorologist, I would have been a teacher. By the way, I had a chance to and accepted the chance to become a substitute teacher, so to speak. And um, I had a standing offer from a physics, uh, high school physics teacher at Cornerstone uh, Christian Academy to uh, pinch hit and to teach um, when the time came about thermodynamics when when that uh, unit came along. And I did that for two days straight. I came in and uh, taught his high school uh, class, and uh, Mr. Tom Hardman uh, was uh, in the back, and, and he just kind of uh, let me do my thing. And uh, ever since then, he says, you have a standing offer anytime you want to come and teach a physics, period, uh, but especially the, the thermodynamics unit. Um, and I, apparently I had done a good job and enjoyed the kids. And the kids, kids enjoyed me. Um, I still have a great picture that actually appeared in a weather calendar that I put out in 2013. Um, it still might be available on, on Amazon, but I made sure that uh, Tom Hardman, the physics physics and the uh, calculus uh, teacher, he was my son's calculus professor, by the way, in high school. Wonderful, wonderful teacher. He knew how to teach 
so that the kids loved the topic. And uh, that's what I admired about him. And hopefully I uh, was able to pinch hit in a way that made him smile. I think I did. Okay, here's the next question from Stan, who asks, when did you know that you wanted to be a meteorologist? And uh, the answer is actually before I even had a recollection or memory that that's what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a meteorologist as far back as I can remember. And the story is told uh, like this by my uh, mom and dad when they were alive. They used to tell me that uh, when I was two, two and a half, I could only speak French. I had a friend who could only speak English. And we were playing together. No big deal. And uh, language was not really a big issue. And uh, we were playing until a thunderstorm began to approach from the northwest. And apparently this concerned me. And so I stood up. And I looked at the dark thunderstorm approaching, and I said, Regarde les nuages noirs. And my friend stood up and said, No, those are black clouds. And I said, No, no les nuages noirs. And it became very heated to the point where we almost started getting into a fist fight. And my mom and his mom came over, pulled us apart, and uh, explained to us that we were saying the same thing. And ever since then, <clears throat> my mom and dad... Uh, told me that I would incessantly ask questions. What's the temperature? What's the wind? What are those clouds? What what are those doing? What's the weather going to be tomorrow? Um, And she thought it was a passing fad. So she answered all of my questions very patiently, saying, this is going to pass, but it never did. And this was at two and a half, almost three years old. And... um, There's not a time that um, I can ever remember as a kid not wanting to become a meteorologist. And so to me, it was a God-given gift that he put that in me, that this was supposed to be my career path. And I've been very fortunate in that career path uh, in in many, many regards. Uh, So uh, to me, a God-given gift and... uh, It was something he gave to me at such a young age that I don't remember a time that um, I didn't want to be a meteorologist. And on television, too. Stan also asked, what was the biggest weather mistake you ever made? Uh, That probably was my first job in Iowa in 1981. It was in the summer. Uh, you got to remember, this was an East Coast boy. um, who was suddenly thrust into Tornado Alley. And um, it was a Sunday evening. It was a beautiful night. Uh, I had finished my Sunday evening weathercast, met a friend for dinner uh, at an outdoor fair. It was gorgeous. It was clear. Went back to the station. Noticed the ground clutter was really beginning to spread. Uh, But I just kind of ignored it and and went on the air saying, it's going to be a great night, beautiful night, clear skies, beautiful for sleeping, overnight low, whatever, 65 degrees. Have a great night. Went off the air. The phone rang in the weather office. I picked it up. It is Dave Town, who is the uh, chief meteorologist uh, at the time. And he said, have, have you looked out the window recently? I said, no. And he goes, you better have a look. Go look out the window and then call me back. Well, I looked out the back window and I see continuous lightning. And I thought, how can that be? It was all ground clutter. Or no, this was not ground clutter. 
These were the nocturnal or nighttime thunderstorms, which often are the are more fierce than daytime thunderstorms uh, in Tornado Alley uh, because of the dynamics that forces them to develop after the sun goes down. Uh, and so I wanted to put a paper bag over my head after just telling everybody the skies were clear. Uh, of course, Dave had a good laugh about it, and, and so did everybody else. They were in good humor, and they just said, Welcome to Iowa, and this is your first nocturnal thunderstorm. Uh, which was only classroom theory when I was at Linden State College in meteorology. And uh, classroom theory suddenly looked at me raw in the face that night. Um, probably the the worst mistake that I can remember anyway. The one that I uh, wanted to uh, crawl into a corner for about two weeks and uh, hope uh, hope nobody noticed the fact that I was there. I uh, hope that was interesting. Doris Marsh says, have you ever thought about shaving your mustache off? And uh, I answered it in part yesterday on the Facebook page. My answer uh, is um, no, but I did shave it off once. Back in college, I grew my mustache. At the time, I knew my uh, uh, who the girl who would end up being my wife, Sally, uh, and she was my girlfriend, my college girlfriend back then. She loved my mustache. She loved it. And and she really didn't look forward to the fact that when I came back with a job offer from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, at KGAN Channel 2, which is now WMT, I'm sorry, WMT, which became KGAN Channel 2, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, um, they required all of their anchors to have no facial hair, and I was uh, told that I would need to shave my mustache off before I uh, started on air. And so, uh, um, you know, I did what I was told, and I shaved my mustache off after the interview, but I still had a few months before I had to go out to Iowa. Sally was so upset. She loved that mustache. She liked my mustache, and uh, she could not get used to me without it. Uh, and so when I left the weather, when I left uh, uh, KGAN, Cedar Rapids, to go to the Weather Channel, we weren't on the air yet, and uh, I was on the launch team. We were prepping. It would be a two, two-and-a-half months before we were on the air. And so I took that two-and-a-half months to grow another mustache. And that was back in 1982 in the spring, and I have not been without a mustache since. Uh, I've always had it, and, and I really don't. Uh, consider shaving it off. I like it myself. Uh, my wife likes the mustache, and so the mustache will stay. Um, and uh, it's uh, mostly uh, white. There was a time where it was starting to come in salt and pepper, but it's mostly white now and al- almost matches my hair, but that's okay. The color that God gives me for my hair or my mustache is okay by me. After all, uh, I take what the Lord says very seriously in his word when he says that uh, white hair is like a crown uh, to uh, the man who has the white hair. So I, I consider it an honor to have white hair. My dad had white hair, by the way, when he was 28 years old. Skunk stripes, and I think uh, by the time he was in his young 30s, he was all white. And not just salt and pepper. I mean, it was white, white, uh, as in bleach white. Uh, And that's how I remember him because um, uh, my brother and I came much later in his uh, life. um, And uh, he was, 
I want to say in his 40s um, when I was born. <clears throat> At any rate, um, so he had white hair long before I was born. So there you have it, uh, Doris. I hope that answers your question. Delbert Henderson asks, did your education make your belief in God stronger or more questionable? And uh, a great question. And uh, not for once did has science for me ever ever contradicted anything that's in God's Word, ever. Um, And to me, it goes hand in hand, and I know I'm joined by a lot of science greats. Galileo is a great example. Niels Bohr, uh, who did the Bohr model of the molecule. Um, There were others, uh, other science greats. Um, the mathematicians and scientists uh, who also had the same thing. In fact, their drive to discover science was driven by their strong faith. And I'm exactly the same way. That's the way I'm built. And um, so I hope that answers your question. So, no, did not make it more questionable. Um, but watching and looking at all of the science of meteorology and how weather works— and how the atmosphere was so well designed for planet Earth. There's no other planet like it, and it just builds my faith up that much more. Alex Price asked, did your faith influence your becoming a meteorologist? And uh, my answer is kind of yes and no. No in the direct uh, sense of uh, not having... Uh, my faith play a role in directing me to meteorology, but yes, in the sense that uh, I, again, recognize the fact that uh, my career choice was actually a gift to me by my creator. This is what he instilled in me to do in life, uh, along with talking about his grandeur and uh, talking about his grace uh, for us in every way possible. Uh, But... uh, he is using uh, the the gift that he gave me to develop my skills of oration uh, and also uh, to tell people about the weather, but also to point to people to the sky and the grandeur of the sky and that uh, it had to have been created in such a beautiful way that it, it wasn't random uh, by any stretch. And uh, that's my story, and that's um, that's uh, what I'm sticking to, um, Alex, and I hope you enjoyed that answer. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, it was the Q&A uh, episode, and we'll probably do this again from time to time. And uh, keep an eye on the Fox 8 Weather Facebook page. And from time to time, uh, I will do one of these where I'll collect and aggregate your questions and take them onto the Weather Jazz Um, a platform like we're doing here tonight. Uh, But before we go, quick update on trick-or-treating, which is tomorrow, Wednesday night. Uh, We'll probably have showers arriving by about 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and hopefully pushing far enough south. So if you live north and west of Interstate 71 or north of the Turnpike, there is a chance that the showers will uh, taper off and become a little more intermittent, more off and on than uh, more widespread, uh, like earlier in the day. However, 
south and east of the turnpike and south and east of Interstate 71. Those showers may be a bit more persistent in the 6 to 8 p.m. hours, which have been traditionally seen as the trick-or-treat hours uh, in a lot of communities. So might be a little soggy for folks, so just go out there uh, being prepared. But at least temperature-wise, it is going to be much milder than it has been. With a high of 62, that'll actually go above normal. How about that? We'll uh, perhaps have another update for you tomorrow right here on Weather Jazz. In the meantime, have a great night, and we'll catch you next time.